worship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarm, to fear, leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. Secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. This morning we're going to pause our series on Galatians and look at First Samuel. So last night we had our first worship service and it was so good getting back together with people and worshiping together. And I shared a devotion on First Samuel. So I want to share parts of it with you today. But to begin, let's read the chapter and I'm going to play for you David Suchet, the actor, reading First Samuel. This is from my favorite audio version of the Bible. The First Book of Samuel 1 Samuel chapter 1 There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year.
Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he shall be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Now there's two things I want you to think about this morning as we think about First Samuel. 1 Samuel begins at one of the darkest moments in Israel's history. This is probably about the same time that Samson is a judge, and so Israel finds themselves uh, oppressed under the weight of Philistine and 
oppression. The country is in disarray. This is when everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. And First and Second Samuel are about the restoration, the renewal, the establishment of the kingdom. But it begins in an unexpected way with an unexpected person. And we ask, why here? In fact, First, first and Second Samuel has been, it's been argued that this is one of the most powerful and profound political tracts, political, ideological books ever written in the history of the world. So why start here with a barren woman and a family dispute? And so the first great movement of restoring and establishing the kingdom is found in the domestic witness of a divided home. It's not in the corridors of power. It's not by the means of political intrigue. The beginning of the renewal and the restoration of the kingdom and the establishment of the kingdom happens because a desperate woman cries out in prayer at worship. And we have to remember that God remembers and attends to the people others ignore. And there's such a danger in neglecting the struggles and the victories of his faithful people. And here we have the agonized prayer of a barren woman is the seed that's going to restore the whole nation. And one of the dangers we have is that our current cultural climate can push us into worldly modes of thinking about influence, worldly modes of thinking about social transformation. And the greatest social earthquakes can find their epicenter in the most unlikely places. And this is giving us a window into how history actually works. One of our problems, we don't know how history actually works. Even those who have professional academic degrees in history don't know how it actually works. This is the way that things are actually turned around. This is the way that societies are actually renewed and transformed. This is the way that light dawns in dark places. And we need to ask ourselves, does this shape how we seek to make a difference in our society? And you notice the repeated refrain that the Lord had closed her womb. The Lord closed her womb. But because of that, she would not allow her mouth to be closed. He closed her womb, but she opened her mouth, and she prayed, and she cried out to him. That was her response to her oppression. That was her response to her difficulty. So think about that today. Does this shape how you view transformation in society? And then think about the line from verse 27. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. I prayed for this boy. For this boy, I prayed. You find two worship services, worship service in the beginning where she's pouring out her heart, praying for the child, and then worship service at the end where she's celebrating and in thanksgiving, rejoicing that the Lord answered her prayer. For this, I prayed. And spend some time today filling in the blank of that sentence in your own life. For this blank, I prayed. And the Lord has given me my petition. For this, for this job, I prayed. For this child, I prayed. For this diagnosis, I prayed. For this church, I prayed. For this house, I prayed. For this wife, I prayed. For this opportunity, I prayed. What is it that you cried out to the Lord for? And he responded. You can see it. Celebrate that. 
act is in the context of worship that we bring to the Lord our deepest desires and deepest disappointments, and then our deepest cause for gratitude, his faithfulness. What is it today? So today, if you find yourself in a similar situation as Hannah, where you're crying out to the Lord, for this I am praying, keep going, continue. Or if you find yourself, that's where Hannah was for most of this chapter. Or if you find yourself at the end, where she ended up in celebration, where you've prayed for something and the Lord has responded, celebrate, give him thanks. Or maybe you find yourself at the very beginning, where she was at the start of the chapter, where your heart's being stirred either with discouragement or disappointment. Uh, Let that be channeled into prayer to cry out to him. For this, I prayed. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son.